Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside Zachary. Zach, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we just finished season six of the Peaky Pod. We did. But you're, don't worry, you're, you're listening to season two, episode one, our recap of that. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> when we started this podcast, we actually started... Uh, Last November-ish or October or yeah, at some point? Yeah, I think we started in November. Yeah, so... Around that time. November 2021, and then everybody caught COVID in December, and, you know, it was really fun. And uh, by the time we got back mm-hmm. around to it, we finished season five, and season six was around the corner, so we are like, hey, let's, let's go finish season two, because I'm suffering Tommy Shelby withdrawals after, after yeah. the end of the series, well, after the end of the series, uh... <laughs> and uh zach you are you are responsible for stopping me if i go into any yeah, spoiler I territory to, i was about to say and um vice versa vice versa because it, it'll probably happen okay look i'm just happy to be back i'm happy to be back i can't say shit yeah. about season six it's gonna be kind of tough but uh i know you know what it's nice to come back and see the peakies back when you know they were just young little peaky hatchlings trying to make their way in the world, you know? Um, We literally can't say anything. This is going to be harder than I imagined. I told you it was going to be. You should just say a disclaimer right now and just, like, something might come out. that's that we can't do that. Literally, all right, so if we mess up, it will come out of the episode. We'll just have to mark at what point it (laughs) occurred and we'll go through. But it's not going to happen, although this this might be like an Olympic sport. Finish a series and then do a podcast about it without giving out any and spoilers. Pretend you well, not pretend. You just can't talk about what actually happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's good. I'm I'm super happy to be back and and watching. Yeah, or watching is not a word, but watching a, a season two again. No worries. I'm uh, I'm with Tommy here. Yep. Drinking some. Irish, what are you drinking tonight? Some Jameson Irish whiskey, of course. I saw um, you with what else? Can I you saw drink? you eating tater tots too. So you're going full Irish tonight. Whiskey and potatoes, huh? Yeah. It's in my blood. Yeah. You're Irish? It's in my blood, so. I'm pretty sure I'm part Irish. Uh, I'm Cuban. Something. I'm Cuban. I'm Cuban, so I, but I don't have any tostones and, and rum out here, but I, I am drinking whiskey as well, <laughs> some Rough Riders. It's going down smooth right now. Um, and I actually so want to take this opportunity to me. say that if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed 
to the Story Archive show, then you're missing out on what's going to be there eventually because we're <laughs> going to record. <laughs> you ain't missing out on shit yet. But we're actually going to do our first episode coming up. Uh, I believe we have a schedule for next week. And uh, mm. w- we think we just found out or determined the movie we're going to choose, but we're kind of creating the founding principles of the Story Archive show. And wh- what that's going to be is essentially yeah. more one-off reviews and commentary on movies and maybe some iconic TV episodes that are in our Thanos gauntlet of TV shows. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, and we're going to yeah. have a rotating third guest whenever we can um, find somebody who swing would it. be a good fit or swing it schedule-wise uh, with the show. So please, Story Archive Show, look it up. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast. I don't know. Anybody else have a podcast network out there? I don't know. There's a there's a few out there. Well, search, it's, it's in search Story Archive Show. You'll find it. And subscribe to all our stuff, please. All the support's helpful, and we promise we'll create some stuff that'll entertain you. And if it doesn't, just send us an email and just give us shit for it, you know? Bash us. Yeah. 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 Just tell us we suck. Yeah. And we'll give us some... I don't like that. Just give us like some constructive criticism that we can work with, you know? So tell us why we suck. And if you really want to make it better, work work <laughs> with us. All right. Let's get into the episode recap. Um, it's nice to come back. It's nice to come back to season two. That it is. Where we that left off in season one, Tommy has conquered uh, Mr. Kimber. Mm-hmm. Grace has left Tommy with an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. And we have yet to know what Tommy was going to do, right? We end with the iconic coin flip of Tommy Shelby's, Yeah, I guess, his, uh, his go-to decision-making strategy. Yeah. And we also got left with a, a cliffhanger of um, Grace at a train station and Campbell walking up to her, pulling a gun on her. We cut to black and pretty sure we hear a bang go off. Yeah, so do you think it's Grace or Campbell who's who's gone at this point? Well, you're, you're asking me like I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it all. I know everything. <laughs> I'm glad you called me out on that. All right, <laughs> let's get into the recap. That's the sound effect that should go there, Zach. I, I love the sound effect. You know, we should get one of those little boards for sound effect. Eh, it's too much you think so? I'd like a little board like that, a little MIDI board with all our stuff. It'd be cool. I thought about doing it. I should get one just for my meetings, right? Yeah, do one of those. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we kick off the episode here, mostly just getting a recap of the last episode of the last season. Tommy writing a letter to Grace, talking about how he used to flip a coin when he had an important decision to make, and that's what I will do again. I, I find that hard to believe. Somebody like Tommy, I don't think he leaves many decisions up to fate. Do you? But he is superstitious. He is gypsy, so... I wouldn't put it past them. It seems like they're the same. They both have heads on either side of them. Did you see that coin? Like it looks like it has heads on both sides. I I don't think I don't think it did. I saw I saw what you were looking at, but I don't think it had heads on both no. sides. You know, I, I think the other idea around flipping a coin, right, is when you have a hard decision, right? If you flip a coin, whatever the outcome, it's not your choice. Yeah. So you can't you can't hate yourself for the decision you I, made. I I right? think you could hate yourself more. So if it goes wrong know. and someone asks you like why'd you do it? I flipped a coin. Like that's the dumbest thing you could say. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if they're both terrible options, 
you're not really picking. You're just kind of being told what to well, do by the coin. What yeah. was Tommy's options here? His options were to go to America, right, or go somewhere with Grace and leave, run away, or to continue building his empire in Small Heath. And uh, as we find out in this episode two years later, we know what Tommy's decision was, and it was to remain in Small Heath. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first saw this episode for the first time, like 18 times ago. Uh, You're not at 88 yet? 88? No, I'm not there yet. Okay. Yet. Certain episodes, yes, but not not this <laughs> not one. Not this one. I was I was wondering where they were going with the, with the women, like the widows dressed in black. Also, mm-hmm. these are kind of like early 1900s terrorists. You think about it. You got these women who are like, yeah, you ever hear like these horror stories with, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but, uh, I mean, no one's going to question a widow in the street, right? Carrying a baby carriage, but they're taking advantage of like the lowliest position in society at the time, which is probably being a a single mother widow, you know, in a poor neighborhood. And they take advantage of that. And you just know something's up as they're like little doing the little Mary pop and skip away from the pub. Yeah, their their little quick walk down the uh, down the road was what kind of cued me off when I first watched this. I also want to mention that we finally saw what happened with uh, Grace and Inspector Campbell. Oh yes, please do. It's a small detail. Yeah, small but mighty and important. Uh, Campbell pulled a gun on her, as we know, but in slow mo, we see her bring her purse up and fires a bullet off through the purse and. Well, shoots Mr. Campbell. What was Campbell really going to do there? You know what I mean? You know, he was going to hurt Tommy. But was he really going to shoot Grace? They, I don't they know. always say. I, I, I feel like he would have. They always say never take out a gun unless you plan to use it, right? I think Campbell was never going to shoot her. I think he got there, he took his gun out, and he was like, well, damn, this is awkward. You know? Hmm. He wasn't going to do anything. Are those John Boy's kids? Is that what that is? Did we finally see one of John Boy's kids? That's incredible. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We are at the funeral of Freddie Thorne, which I need Jimmy to look up. I need Jimmy to look up what the hell happened to Freddie Thorne and why he was killed off this randomly. Because all intents and purposes, the last thing we see of Freddie Thorne is he emerges from prison, right? And he has the, the gun. That he comes out with like that Gatlin gun thing. Mm-hmm. And Ada rolls out the baby in the middle of the street. But the way his character was going, it was like he was he was going to be a player in the show. And then they open up episode one of season two, and he's died of pestilence, which I'm not quite sure what dying of pestilence is. Dying of pestilence is like it's, dying of disease. It, yeah, like a... Uh, <laughs> It's a type or, of or more more of like the, the bubonic plague. plague. The bubonic plague, yeah. No, that's from thirteen fifty three. So then it would have been what Spanish flu, yeah. Why did Freddie Thorne after the war die? All right, what's the real reason? The real reason is TBD. I can't find. The real reason why he was killed off the show, or why he left the show. It just all talks about how he was confirmed, or he died of, of pestilence. 
That's the most random thing ever. You think the... I mean, I know these shows do... They do a, like, um, screen test, right? Or they do, you know, which characters are liked by the audience, right? Mm-hmm. You think they did, like, a survey and people were like, eh, Freddy Thorne, eh, take him or leave him. They got rid of him? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of him, I, but I didn't, like, really hate him at the same time. I was a big fan of him because it was, like, the only guy who could call Tommy out on his, on his crap, you know? Well, he's died of pestilence. The past is in the past. Nobody seems that affected. Uh, even Ada seems like she's kind of muscling through. Look at her. She's she's muscling through with Tommy. Yeah. Well, she doesn't she doesn't cry. I I read I'm reading one thing that was basically talking about how he crossed borders with his success after the show of season one. Nothing else. So I don't really, I don't really know. A lot of times, actors that leave shows prematurely, it's because they got another opportunity and scheduling didn't allow for them to remain on the show. But um, regardless, so we get back to this confrontation where discussion with Tommy and Ada, and mm-hmm. he's trying to get her to come back to Birmingham, but she seems kind of hell bent on staying independent of the Shelby family. And can't say he's a blamer, considering, as we see later in this episode, that Tommy's Tommy's not content with, like, good enough. Like, you would think for some people, taking over, getting rid of Kimber would be enough. You know, like, you have a piece of territory. But yeah. it seems like his ambitions are not small enough to fit in small heath. Right? You mean too big to fit in small heath? They're not small enough to fit in Small Heath. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> same thing in reverse. Yeah. No, I get it. He, he always wants to grow up and out, right? Like, he he, he always has this pattern of conquering uh, conquering one villain. And, you know, it's always just like a lot of people. It's always, all right, well, what's the next thing? Yeah, it's just like a, it's ver- just like a CEO. You, I you, think you, everyone you can relate to it. Thing. What's the next challenge? But yeah. in a way, it's like he's never kind of gone past the war, you know? What's the next battle? Yeah. What's the next What's the next uh, enemy that we need to fight, right? Yeah, he does seem to, to carry that. And even... Throughout the, uh, the season here. And even, like, during the funeral, you're getting business being conducted on the funeral day where Arthur's striding over to Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They roll up and, and inform them that, hey, the, uh, the garrison blew up. Yeah. Which is the first time, if I'm not mistaken, the first time there's actually been like an attack carried out on them, where the you know they're the ones always kind of strategically going after others, but this time, the first punch was thrown by somebody else. No, how did those baby well, carriages survive that explosion? That's a good question. Because that's a really big explosion. That's a good advertisement for... <laughs> to have the entire... The whole bar yeah, really. The whole bar blew up. You can blow it up and it'll still work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wheels are just completely untouched in the front for those who are not viewing as we as you listen. Um, we're at a point now in season two where Tommy just openly in the street pays off the chief sergeant of the police department. 
uh, he's gotten to that point, I guess, where he runs the town. He was running it before, but uh, not so much that somebody like Campbell could come in and, and change everything. No, I, I feel like he was probably doing this before to a degree. Um, but all of season one was about Campbell coming here, so we didn't really get to see the opportunity, or he didn't really have the opportunity to do it in front of us. Now, in the bar, now he can pay them off. Pauly finds green confetti. Which you think, I think we find out that it has to do with, you know, the IRA, which we do cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. And we see an Irish flag behind a, you know, a bar that looks kind of nice, a bar that we'd probably like, you know, like one of these, like. Honestly, you know, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wish we had something like that down here, you know, or over here. It's like a dive bar in this cellar type of thing. We're in Flo- like we're in Florida, so we don't have basements down here. For those who are listening, the basements are not allowed because we have uh, this porous rock underground called limestone. I think it's I think it's called limestone, and so we can't actually have basements in Florida, at least in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Uh, well, very very fun. Tommy immediately knows who threw the first punch, and he goes to this Irish pub where this little boy uh, comes over there looking for the Peaky Blinder Devil. Peaky Blinder Devil. That line, <laughs> I remember that. Like, even though I haven't seen this episode in years, you've always seen. Yeah, it. which one have you used to pick your blinder down? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just an iconic little line. I, and having watched the whole series at this point, mm-hmm. this is the first point where you see Tommy begin to. What's the? How do I want to put this? sacrifice principles yeah in order for his own ambitions he does seem to uh to begin to sacrifice family in in a way um or take advantage of yeah because i guess maybe that's that's about all of his actions have a direct repercussion of of putting his family in harm right yeah everything here i mean we as we find out later in this episode even uh i mean people come after his sister because of something that he did right yeah. so it's always happening every, every time he does something somebody in his family now i want to say something gonna here. happen you notice they put like this kind of like raggedy sack on top of his head yeah you ever seen batman beyond or begins batman begins yeah, of course he plays the scarecrow killian murphy plays the villain That's the scarecrow true. and he also wears this uh kind of flower sack over his head which is terrifying that villain terrified me for years <laughs> scarecrow oh my gosh scarecrow terrified me uh, it was it was good mm-hmm. scarecrow wasn't that terrifying when he went into this hallucinogenic mode it was terrifying okay that yeah that was that outside was of it it's like you know turning on the lights on the boogeyman you know exactly he just looks awkward yep yep now to a busy busy um what would you call that HQ of Peaky Blinders? Is it just Peaky Blinders HQ? Cause it's the betting shop. It's the betting shop, or what do you call that? It's not. That's not the right term for it. It's a. I mean, a racket. it does kind of it's seem a, like it's a gambling players. racket. It's a racketeering uh, facility. <laughs> uh, but um, no, I, I every time I, I go to write a note about this place, I'm always like, "What is the name of it?" I just. I, don't I always there, end up. Just there's no. The there's no name for like it. That. There's no name for it. It's just the. 
just the like the gambling house that they have where they're like doing writing down and fixing races and taking bets and keeping a tally on who owes what. Mm-hmm. Well, Paulie's meeting with John Boy and uh who looks really young. Like Well, he is I just gotta he say. is young. He looks like he's probably in I his know. early twenties here. Or even late teens at this yeah. point. He looks like he could be nineteen. Honestly, John Boy looks like he could be related to you, man. Well, I mean, maybe. You never know. Well, Polly's lecturing We could be brothers. Polly's lecturing him on the fact that he needs to step up, right? In terms of being able to step up when they expand. Yeah. He she she calls him out on asking a whole bunch of questions and when when this is a time where he needs to be the man with the answers. Yeah. Well, right? at this point, he's still very much in the dark. But to be fair, Tommy keeps everybody in the dark, especially when his plans get more dangerous, which as mm-hmm. we're finding out, they become more dangerous. But in se- season one, when he takes the weapons, he does the same thing. Mm-hmm. He tells them when he absolutely needs to, not when when he uh, it first does it. He doesn't tell them what he's planning because in a sense, he is protecting them because what they don't know, they can't can't harm them right yeah and that was very apparent in in season one where he didn't tell arthur about the guns what bloody guns to harm me but perhaps we're getting to a point where he's dealing with enemies that will harm his family despite them not knowing what he's up to because they just blew up the pub without any um without any rationale really no i mean there could have been people in there although i i guess it was early enough in the morning where where no one happened to be there. Although people are in pubs really just prepping for the evening. At least nowadays. It's convenient. In bars. It's convenient that yeah. nobody was there. But perhaps they didn't want to start off the relationship on a note where they would um, be at war immediately. But Yeah, but you blew up my pub. Yeah, he blew. they blew up his pub, but he's done his research as well. So obviously, and this becomes a theme in Peaky Blinders, there are things that happen off screen that we become privy to as they as they play out on screen, right? And mm-hmm. so Tommy has had these people on his radar for a while, telling the woman that he knows that she has a son and he's in irons and comes in last in every race. Tommy's Tommy's <laughs> network of spies never ceases to amaze me. I wish I knew how he knew what he knows. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chosen. And the chosen one smoke. Yeah, well, he is chosen for something. But can you give us some light as to, like, why? I I still don't understand why he's asked to assassinate this this random person. You know, I really don't know, and I don't think it's ever really revealed to us too much. Um, They, this lady Irene O'Donnell is basically trying to get Tommy to fill a, a vacancy that that appeared. Right? Yeah. What I'm wondering if this is this if if he's replacing the same person that Mister C- Inspector Campbell is talking about later in this episode. I kind of feel like it might be a different person, but I'm not sure what vacancy appeared here and why these people want him to 
to carry out this deed. I we also I don't even think we really get to know much about the person that. And we don't know they're trying to get him to kill. And we don't know why they're choosing Tommy of all people to pull off this assassination, right? Yeah. Which he's obviously not happy with as he like throws all the boxes down as as he comes out of the meeting, right? Mm -hmm. But composed as ever, he puts his jacket back on and goes about his business. I, you know, we really don't get this question answered unless I miss the details on it. So, okay, so it is, uh, she's the pro-treaty patty that works with Donald Henry and Chester Campbell. Give us some, like, background here. Right, so... Well, I mean, you'll kind of have to to look at what happens a little later into this episode, right? But later in this episode, we'll we'll end up finding um, a man who's begging for some uh, representative of the government to come to his aid before because he was about to be uh, be hung, and it was kind of at the hands of of Inspector Campbell, right? So this lady, Irina O'Donnell, who Tommy was just talking to because she blew up his pub, was conspiring with. Uh, Inspector Campbell to get Tommy to fill the shoes of the guy that couldn't do the job that they wanted him to do. So they're blackmailing him into this assassination. But that's just the beginning of, of Campbell's plans. Hmm. So you have Campbell doing his, his plotting of bringing down Tommy. And at this point, it feels like a personal vendetta, right? Mm-hmm. You got Tommy getting into the cobwebs of cobwebs i don't know if that's the right term but like the plotting ways of the ira and we find out that campbell has survived uh grace's gunshot wound on the yeah platform and has emerged with an intimidating limp and a new cane huh i like the cane i, like I think the, cane. the cane's a nice touch for campbell like i can't as i look back on this i can't remember campbell mm-hmm. without a cane No, I mean he was most memorable with this cane, and he's he's like uh, fully embraced his dark side in this season. Oh as well. yeah, at this point he has. Oh, I mean he's he's kind of almost died. He's he's become a new man or something like that, right? He has his own secret department, and right now we're we're seeing the scene where I was just talking about. You know, he's he's walking down a hall. He like you said, he's embraced his dark side. You hear a man uh, screaming in the distance from some other room down the hall that he, he wants a representative from the majesty uh, uh, to to come to his aid because he's about to be hung. And so this guy here who is basically talking to Campbell and telling him what, what this individual has said, uh, he's trying to get Campbell to help out with, uh, you know, letting him, let him go free or at least let him know what's going on. But Campbell plays dumb. He just plays dumb the entire time and says nothing rings any bells so that the man will be hung. And now this this opening will be here for Tommy. Yeah, he's he's turned a leaf, Campbell, in this season where it's it's almost like he's gotten to the point where people are just useful until they're not useful anymore, right? Mm-hmm. He even ends the scene where you have this guy who's clearly telling him that, hey, we got this guy who who says he was an insider 
and he literally describes Campbell to his face. Oh, and yeah. Campbell the at this limp, point is just bold face, just using people for his own benefit at this point. And uh, I think he's past the point of no return at this, you know, based off of snapping last season on Grace and being willing to shoot her. Trying to kill right? her. Yeah, really. Yeah, I think he's 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 kind of lost himself. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Anyways, we cut to Arthur uh working out with a jumper. Looking fit, man. He's looking in. fit. He he does look fit. He does look very fit. Finn looks super, super small, which is crazy because this is I guess the same actor throughout the rest of the show, right? Yeah. That we see here. I don't think he ever changes. Yeah, this is the the same actor that uh I think it's the same actor as last season. He just grew up as well. It's the same I don't same know. kid. I think that the time skip look now, it up. the time skip Look the it last up. One. It looks like the same kid. Look it up. All right, let's um, see. I will say this though, it seems like Arthur at this point has kind of like leaned into his new role with the Peaky Blinders, which is more enforcer while Tommy's key strategist, right? Mm-hmm. He's getting fit. He's, you know, having, staying in shape, right? Last season, I think we meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, who comes to town last season? What do you mean who comes to town last season? Does anybody come to town? Yeah, the father comes to town in season yeah. one. I didn't want to spoil something because yeah. I, I get it mixed up sometimes on, on some here. of the series. Oh, good. So I'm pretty sure that... So Harry Curtin, mm-hmm. who plays Finn Shelby. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was in the first why, season. Why are you looking, something that said 2014. Why are you looking that up? I want to make a point here because in the family meeting, because Finn, what he does do is he goes to pick up Arthur and says, hey, we got a family meeting. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that John Boy gives some of the f- clearest perspective of anybody in the room. Uh, he's the only one questioning the expansion that Tommy is trying to undertake right now for the business. And he's saying, like, look, when is enough enough? We're making 150 pounds a day. And you can see that however you want. You, If you want to say, hey, look, he doesn't have the vision to do what Tommy does, that's true. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, curiosity killed the cat. And Tommy's ambitions know no bounds at this point. Now they want to go to London and make a move on the Italians, right? Mm-hmm. I love this scene, too, with this family meeting because it's kind of the first look we truly get of Esme, which she is a, a strong female character in the show. And um, yeah. she's never afraid to speak her mind. She kind of reminds me of Polly a bit in, in her own way. Mm-hmm. She's a gypsy, leans heavy into that, probably more so than Polly. But you could see a reality of like as she lives longer in this Shelby world that she could become more like Polly. A mix yeah. of material and supernatural. Finn is a really tiny little kid. Is it the is season. it the same actor in season one as it is, as he is in season two? No. No, it's a completely different kid. If this is the same kid, he had to have like taken horse steroids or something to grow up. Which actor played in one year in, in season one? Jeremy. He looks so different. Peaky Blinders. Yeah, it keeps, no, telling, it keeps telling. Yeah, you it's that. it's him. 
I don't think it's him, dude. He's so small. How long could that be him? Harry Curtin, which is a funny, uh, funny name, actually. <laughs> Harry Curtin. All right. Peaky Blind Devil. See how many episodes Harry Curtin was in in Peaky Blinders. He was he not in season in one. He was starts in season See, two. Told you it was just, he's too little. But kid. it's great casting because for some reason I remember the little kid looking just like him. He does. He does look very similar, but he aged so quick, dude. So quick in two years. Yeah. Anyways, going back to what I was saying earlier about Tommy not communicating to the family his plans, mm-hmm. he declares to them in the meeting that expansion begins tomorrow. And some in the family are infuriated to not know the details. Although I think Arthur knows the details because he's very smug as he sips his whiskey. Yeah, right? he is. Hey, but he was in the he, he was in the informed. position of the uninformed in season one. You know? Yeah. He's kind of I'm gonna take your I'm gonna take your role here. Okay. He's kind of a little base, you know. He's kinda of like you know, as long as he's in the know and like four other people are not, then he's okay. Uh-huh. But if the of but course. if nobody knows, he's pissed, you know? But as mm-hmm. long as he knows, he doesn't give a he doesn't give a damn. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And you see Tommy like as the seasons progress. You know, he learns to how to how to manage each of his family members to their own personalities, right? Good good mm-hmm. lessons for uh for a manager, any manager in the world, watch Peaky Blinders. Just kidding, it'd probably be unhealthy for your workplace. It would be very unhealthy. Yeah. Just ask ask the people that work for me. I'm just kidding. Wow. Uh I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you though? I'm just kidding. Shall we have them no, as guests no, on the show and, and have them watch Peaky Blinders and we'll do like a... Honestly, that that might be interesting. And then we'll say... That would kind of be funny. Does your boss act like this? I'll, we'll have like a ther- we'll have a therapist <laughs> come in and it'll be like a whole thing. We'll kind of try to expose some stuff. Jeez. You know, rip the, rip the Band-Aids off. Well, Polly's not Gosh. having it. If there's one person you can't keep uninformed, it's Polly. In season one, I think she's the first person to get the info out of Tommy about the weapons in a church. And here mm-hmm. she's locked the safe. She's taken a step, a proactive she's step. She's changed the combination. She's changed the combo and won't let Tommy know until he she finds out what's gonna happen. And clearly you see, like I'm telling you, it's not that Tommy doesn't want to tell everybody. But some secrets are better not telling people. It's they just complicate it's true. things. They get they can be used as assets against you. Right? Yeah. They're what's to stop Campbell? We already world. saw what Campbell's capable of. He knows what Campbell's capable of, right? He knows mm-hmm. what people in the underworld are capable of. Is the underworld the right term here? Is the criminal underworld? Uh, you know, criminal underbelly? I think so. I, I, went, sh- I went straight to Hercules in my mind. That scene where they're going underneath. <laughs> Which I want to watch that. It's been so long since I watched Hercules, the Disney movie. It has been a while for me, too. I watched it once a, a few years ago just to, because it was yeah, on. Nowadays, if you if the Disney remade Hercules, it'd be so woke. It would be so woke. Oh, yeah. It would, it would be. be beyond. Like it would. I mean, there would be like a girl Hercules too. It'd be like a whole thing, you know. Which that would be like the least of it. Actually, no. It would probably be. It wouldn't be a fe- guaranteed. If they remade Hercules today, it would be like a female Hercules, and not like not getting into like the gender stuff. It would just be like that. You just have to redo the character. The same thing with like the whole James Bond. Make James Bond a girl. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. 
I think you're getting a little too into the scene right now, but um, no, actually, it's it's a great scene. You, know, you got Tommy kind of getting over uh, Grace in his own way, having you know having a nice little lovely affair with Lizzie here, who is uh yeah clearly into Tommy at this point, even though she had that broken she off marriage was. with John Boy in season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she was she was always kind of like in love with with Tommy, right? Because even when he was, she was going to marry John Boy, was she in love with Tommy? It was it. It was the night with him that she wanted more. <sighs> Tommy offers her money, but I do agree with you. It was less about the money and more about the one last time with him. Yeah, because, the, you know, Tommy mentions to her when that happens that he would go to her often when he came back from the war. So she was obviously somebody mm-hmm. that he confided in, but they don't have the same chemistry that he has with Grace. Not at all. Which you see as he's having sex with her that he's kind of just looking off and staring off into the distance. You know, he's not really yeah. into it. It's just a, he looks like a zombie. It's just kind of a kind of a just chore. There to be there. Yeah, it's just kind of a you know primal primal moment. It's an expensive chore. Is it? I think he pays her more because he cares for her. But I think that uh Think about it. Think about the amount of money he offers her in season one. It's like tw- how much? How many pounds? It's is- a lot of money. It was not a lot know, of. It amount. was not a lot of money. What the hell is wrong with you? It was not a lot it of was money. A decent amount of money. Look up the amount of money well, that he offers her in season one. It's a small amount of look, money. It's I like I don't know. It's like two pounds. It was like two pounds. It was like two uh, or five. It, was, it was not more than like five pounds. Look it up. Look it up. It was not a lot. All right. Fine. You talk about Polly while I look this up. Okay. This perhaps is one of the more random scenes. It actually reminds me of The Sopranos a little bit. But uh, Tommy goes to this, I don't even know, it's a fortune teller's home. It's it's like a fake gypsy of sorts who is... The, the body language, even before you see it, because I know if anybody's listening to this, you've probably watched the episode something's up with the body language and the eye contact that the soothsayer, I don't know if that's the right term here, is giving to to Polly, which she's come out to find whether her children are alive. Am I right about that, Zach? Yeah. Whether they're alive. Something, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find the words for what she is. I think a soothsayer is the thing. Maybe I've been playing too much Elden Ring. A psychic. Right? She thinks she's a, she's a psychic. I think that's too simple. A, a okay. psychic can only read your your mind, right? They can't talk to the dead. Eh, well, I don't know. I'm not that into it. Yeah. So you might be right. You might be right. So, any info on Lizzie's uh, wage? Eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Eight pounds in the year. Of Is that how much he offers her? Yes. <laughs> eight pounds, eight equivalent. bucks. That's eight dollars, dude. Yes, but that's from like 1980. Okay, so do the That's the equivalent the to like 484 pounds today. That's not bad. <laughs> right. I guess. I mean, I mean, if I you're in that, that line of for, work. Almost getting paid $500 to screw someone you like. Yeah. For eight bucks? Remember your conversions were completely off on another episode we did. Look, I, I looked up eight pounds to 
from 1918 to 2022 and that's what this this calculator is telling me yeah well 485 for a what the gdp inflation you know 30 minutes of work at most It's not bad. You know, I'm telling it could you. be worse. I mean, you're making you're making a lot of money per hour there. It could be worse, and if she likes him, you know, it is still insulting. Yeah, but it's not insulting enough for her to say no. I guess. Right. I think you know what I see, yeah. Lizzie. As I see Lizzie as the girl who's accepted, or you know, it could be the guy. You know, is there, mm-hmm. I think people you know can can relate. Either they've been on the receiving end or been the person. They that they, they, they know mm-hmm. that they're not the first option. But they say, you know, but I'm here. I'm gonna just say that I'm here. And if that person gets, you know, spurned by their one option, I'm here. You know, I'm the understudy of I'm not the lead in the play. I'm the understudy in the play, the lead gets sick, I come in. The backup QB, yeah. QB two, depth chart, sometimes QB three. I'm coming in. Put me in, coach. Put me in. You know what I mean? It reminds me of uh, a of Jay Sebring from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who was who's Jay Sebring? The, uh, you the, going into a tangent here. Who's Jay Sebring? He he's uh, he's a real life guy that was killed with him and his wife by the Manson family. But he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, okay. And so you saw that you saw movie, that film this week, huh? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Eh, it might be a story archive show uh, commentary there. I think. You never know. You never know. You never well, know. Um, sorry to interrupt your your tangent there, but there's something oh, important God. happening here. I'm still confused as to who the man is that Tommy has been assigned to hit, but uh, he earlier in the episode pays off the police sergeant to clear a certain area of, uh, of small heath because Tommy has some business to take care of, and by business I mean uh, an assassination. Assassinating. Yeah. Um, the, the name of the man is Iman Duggan who was is the name of a real person who was an irish lawyer and politician seem like a lawyer but this is not him this is not him at all this is a factory worker um and it's the kind of person that tommy doesn't want to kill i i never understood this scene because how important could this guy have been to have blown up a pub get tommy's attention i don't he never know. comes I up really again. Just don't know. I almost wish that we had. You know, I just finished watching Spider Man. So spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Just stop listening right now. Do like a multiverse where we find out that this guy was not killed, and what Peaky Blinders turns into like later on, it changes completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this completely the show changes. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like the guy may have been more of a of a plot device if anything like 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 a method of trying to get dirt on Tommy to continue blackmailing him into doing the things that he wants to do or they want him to do they being Irene O'Donnell and uh Inspector Campbell yeah. it may, maybe maybe that's not the right term for it but I think I think O'Donnell it seems like maybe it's more of a way for them to to like hey is Tommy going to was it, to, to it was a test. It was a test. Yeah. Know? I think they also know not to mess with Tommy because he obviously knows a little bit about her too. You know, what happens mm-hmm. to her kid? I don't think Tommy would do that, but um, like, I don't think Tommy would hurt children 
in that sense but no I but don't, they don't, I don't know that so. i mean they don't know a... that though they don't know that you know that's true he's a gang look he's a gang member who just took out a rival gang head he's on the move he's expanding and they're like hey hey slow down young buck let's get him while he's while he's hot uh well mm-hmm. the boys arthur john and tommy head out for a little road trip while tommy tells john uh arthur i think he told him to stop drinking the opium it was yeah, opium, he, right? He basically poured it out. Opium and bromine. Which Tommy says a line there that's completely in line with our uh, Peaky Blinders way of thinking. He says, I need you fast, not slow. Mm-hmm. We know that's what that true. means. We know what that means. We, we can't do. say it, but we know what that means. We do. You will know soon if you're still watching. Yeah. Well, um, they're on a road trip and they're heading to what we find out is london i think i think the show tells us that much at that point but yeah i mean they're, they're heading to london for holiday but uh tommy has a little bit extra in store because with tommy tommy's like the guy you don't want to go out with you know no he's 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 the passenger you have in your you know what tommy is in your passenger seat with a pound of weed on tommy's like tommy's like the aunt that says hey you know you want to come over yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Can you pick me up this thing from the store? <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, like, before you know it, you're running errands for half the day. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Well, uh... While you're out, can you pick up my dry cleaner? Yeah, 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 hey, you know, can you do this? Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you mind staying here with, with the dog for a little bit? I'm going to step out. I got to go to Publix. <laughs> I'm like, hey, <laughs> you called me here for this? Anyways, uh, back to the racket HQ, Polly and Esme. Um, Esme kind of tries Polly a little bit, letting her know that you went to go see somebody who's a fraud. You, th- I, I didn't really pick it up as as her trying her. It was more of like her just warning her. It was like a hey, I heard this, and I just want you to know that the lady is a liar. She's a fake. I want to know. Yeah, I look. I, I just think Esme's sassy, and I don't. I wouldn't put it past her to kind of put yeah. that kind of. She's very sassy. She's extremely sassy. Yeah, I mean, she's Polly. She's like a young Polly, a uh, younger Polly, because Polly looks really young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How on earth did they not know there was a body in the back seat? <laughs> I was gonna say. I have a feeling I know what you were gonna ask, and that was, it was the same thing I was thinking. You're just literally just chilling. You're all yeah. three in the front seat. You got a little tarp in the back. I mean, you just reach your arm arm in the back to relax. For the una- and you're like, for oh, the unacquainted, there's a, all- there's a dead body there, yeah, buddy. Yeah. For the unacquainted, they're all sitting in the front seat, which is odd when you think about it, you know, when there is mm-hmm. a back seat. And Eamon <laughs> Duggan mm-hmm. is a big dude. I, like, he looks like he's 6'2", like 6'2", 280. Yeah, he's big. You know, he's a big dude. So people having sex on the bench of this club? Yeah, that's. I think that's what they were doing. I I didn't rewind it back earlier. I can't tell if they're just you know bouncing up and down. Okay, so or, I mean they're doing coke. Yeah, in here. let's let's fast forward here. The road trip goes first to a place where the boys help Tommy bury a body, which I can see why he needs the help because Eamon Duggan is literally like six two two eighty. But how did he get him in the car? Yeah, you know he probably told the police he paid off to put him in the car. I don't I don't know. There's no way Tommy's picking his ass up. There's just no way. That's dead yeah, weight. I mean, he, he he shoots the guy in a in a, a, a what a metal factory. Yeah. Right after people just left, Ew. right near the water, so his people are gonna come back. Well, what what did I? Yeah, just miss there? I'm not gonna mention it. But look, we're getting into this club where it's literally debaucherous as can be. I never noticed how debaucherous this club was. They had this coming. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Tommy, they, this is this is swing. This music, is a beat. This, this is, is there's swing, no swing way music. this is the way it was in the 1920s. There's just no <laughs> way. The Roaring Twenties? What are you talking about? Not like what I just saw right there. People literally having sex at the lobby of a club uh, in bright. Like do. literally, the uh, lights are fully on. I've never, uh, I've never tried to look back. I mean, no, there's all sorts I of stuff going on now. in this club. Yeah, <laughs> some guys. Yeah, yeah, we won't get, nice get into it. We'll get out there. Into it. Put it away. Well, Tommy and the boys are coming to this club, and they're. Uh, it seems like they're trying to make a statement because they pay off the guy at the front to let them in, in the first place. They're not being served yep. respectfully here, and the whole place is a no. mess. It's kind of like out of control. It needs to be taken over by order of the Peaky Blinders, if you know what I mean. And uh, they're in Italian territory. I said it like them. Do they say Italian, or where did I get that from? I don't know. You know I think I, re- I took that from I Brad Pitt and Glorious Bastards. I think, yeah, I think you Italian. It from, uh, yeah. From movie. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have two Italians on my team, and I always say Italian, so they haven't corrected me. And I feel like if I was saying it wrong, they would correct me. Yeah, well, you say Italian to your Italian friends? No, I said Italian. I don't say Italian. You should do it next time. <laughs> See how it goes. <laughs> How are my Italians doing in here? Well, I'm not with, without provocation, the Peaky Blinders are told to leave the bar or to leave the club. Yeah. You got a bunch yeah, of... they're just sitting down having a good old time. Yeah, you know, well, you got them. Nice. You got a, bu- um, you got a bunch of, like, Italians looking at them, clearly members of the Sabini gang, and not liking that they're there. Which word mm-hmm. must travel fast because how do you know immediately that they're from a rival gang, right? I guess it's the Peaky Cap. It kind of gives them away. Uh, it's it's the peaky look. It was a very distinguishing look. Yeah, back in the day. Well, they're doing their type of dancing because as soon as somebody throws something at their table, Tommy explodes, and Arthur and John mm-hmm. Boy and everybody goes into a mad run. And uh, perhaps the mm-hmm. most badass moment is when the what seems to be like kind of like the bar major D tries mm-hmm. to put things to a stop, like this short barrel shotgun. Yeah. And Tommy just clearly approaches him and saying, you ain't about that life. Like, <laughs> it literally takes the gun away from <laughs> this guy. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> iconic scene. This is the big set piece for the episode because this actual location is sick. It is incredible looking. It Again, this looks kind of like what you would see in The Great Gatsby. Yeah. I like how John Boy just goes up and kisses some random girl, like as as he's walking out. They are on holiday, man. This is a holiday for the Peaky Blinders, right? It's not a holiday unless yeah, you know, you go to a Somebody bar and just beat the crap out up. of like half of a rival gang. <laughs> Can you imagine we walk into invasive species brewing and? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it. Someone walks in and just busts out into a fight. I don't think it would go as uh, as smoothly as. Uh, I don't think so. as it goes here. They literally leave untouched. They walk through the streets like kings when they're leaving the place. Yeah, <laughs> they just start yelling at random yeah. people in the street walking yeah. by. It's like what the hell? Yeah, which you know what? Doing? As I'm watching this, it's a very familiar. Uh, it's a very familiar setting to uh, some of the other London set pieces later on. It's true. Now, next scene, Campbell and Churchill. Campbell walks in on Churchill. <laughs> I don't even think he's painting this this naked woman. I think he's literally just working he's, and she's just lounging naked as he works. 
No, he's supposed to be painting. Is he painting her? He's drawing her right now. He's drawing. Is the casting getting better for you here for Churchill? He's not quite old yet, but it's getting in that direction. Like, I'm okay with it, you know? This is much better than than the previous Churchill that uh, (laughs) we saw in season one. Yeah. This is a very good in-betweener. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I I would love to fact check if if Churchill did this. It has to be historically true. I don't think I don't think Stephen Graham would uh would put it in this show if it wasn't historically true. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up. All right. Well, they discuss that they have a bigger role for Tommy to take on, and uh, you know they have a role, a purpose of disposing him after the job is done. Now we don't find out what this bigger role is um but we would assume it has to do with campbell's original mission which was not which was to find those weapons right but it was really to battle the ira in a sense was it not i thought it was more to sell to not to use he never wanted... No, Campbell never wanted to sell weapons to the IRA. That's not what you're saying. Oh, Campbell. Sorry. Sorry, I thought you were talking about <clears throat> No, Tommy. Tommy was looking at how to leverage it the best way he possibly could, which at the end of the day, really never even... Never even worked towards his favor, right? Because Grace tips yeah. it off to Campbell, and mm-hmm. he finds out about the weapons before Tommy wanted him to. Yeah. One reason to dislike Grace for some of those out there. That is true. That is very true. Do you see a, a shift in Tommy in this episode, considering the things that he has to do in this episode? I don't it's know. It's like you see the full dynamic of him, right? Yeah. You see someone who is the leader of his family, who's ambitious. Who uses people, but at the same time listens to them and then takes care of them, like Lizzie here. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't he get, mm-hmm. he gives her this yeah. typewriter or he gives her a he job her to, a to write for him. He wants her to stop yeah. being a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically has her write up uh, her own job uh, description yeah exactly and for the same amount of money that he offered to have sex with her eight pounds and four shillings a month right you said it was eight yeah. pounds in season one ah, it it was eight pounds yeah yeah so it's pretty that's pretty symbolic there right yeah granted i guess he yeah, it was eight it was eight pounds in season one eight pounds for the one session in season one but eight pounds for the month of work in season two <clears throat> which, yeah. I, which which is still good money according to him enough for her to stop all of her other work so the whole notion of eight pounds must not have been enough has got to go out the window man it's enough for a month living <laughs> for 30 minutes worth of work <laughs> you heard it here ladies and gentlemen zach's zach's position on <laughs> on rate on charging oh god <laughs> Now, Polly's mad at Tommy for throwing away the opium on Arthur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was his but medicine. But Polly doesn't know what the hell she's talking about, to be honest here. What about the opium? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I could see that. But it's not like it's just straight opium. It was it's it's a medical formula yeah, for sure for him. Sure. Who knows what they were giving people back then? Crazy people back then. Crazy doctors back then giving prescriptions to insane drugs for people. Yeah. Uh there was no such thing as like mental health back in the early nineteen hundreds. Well, Polly's mad at Tommy because not only she feels she he's using his brother, his family, but now mm-hmm. he's at war with Sabini. They just got over a war with Kimber. He just got over a war and hiding from Campbell, the weapons that he had in season one. And now Tommy's chosen a fight with a bigger opponent in Sabini, who we've yet to meet on screen. Right? And someone... Yeah, we haven't seen him yet. Someone pays for it immediately. And that's Tommy's sister, Ada. Yeah. They basically uh, come to, to kidnap her and have a... Uh evening with a woman's company here yeah they go to rape her Mm -hmm. which is unsuccessful yeah we don't see anything happen i'm pretty sure she she does get away can't say quite as much for her brother though yeah yeah but tommy does get the the crap beaten out of him and uh i was so concerned with ada here because this goes back to what we were so saying was I. because it's it goes back to what we were saying that tommy's ambitions put his family at risk which is why he doesn't like to tell them things but at the same time they're still at risk regardless because if you re if you meet an enemy ruthless enough who doesn't have a code of conduct they will still go after mm-hmm. your family who doesn't know and it also goes to tommy's yeah. concern for his sister knowing that he had plans right in the mm-hmm. beginning and the funeral scene of Freddie Thorne. Yeah. He wanted Ada to come back to Small Heath because he can at least control Small Heath a little bit. Which obviously not that much because he still gets the hell beat out of him. And it's... Yeah, Tommy has this pattern for literally just yeah. getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah, but we but seasons. we do get the intro to Sabini here where we see him for the first time on screen. And he does remind me of Kimber almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, very he does much have a like similarity of to him. Take my name yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah. I love <laughs> the way this guy. By all intents and purposes, th- throws the f word yeah. around, and kills me. Fucking all intents and purposes, Tommy's dead here. Until yeah. an unknown ally, gunman, chases away the pursuers here. Right? He doesn't chase him away. Puts a bullet in the guy's arm that was about to put a bullet in Tommy's head. Yeah. Still a little bit sloppy on the Sabini side, huh? Of killing him? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Who cares when you're Sabini? Like, is there only one person with Just a gun in this him. crew of nine people? I'm sure there was more, but, I mean, they wanted to beat the crap out of him. And you only need one of them to shoot him. You have but, ten people shoot yeah, him. It also seems that the... That they weren't alone. So it was a crew of people watching Tommy get beat, letting mm-hmm. that happen because they weren't necessarily so uh, concerned with him. And we find out that it's Campbell walking up with yep. his cane. and He needed this cane. This was what was missing for him in, in episode one of season one. I mean, uh, yeah. in season one. This cane. It would have been much more of a menacing cane. You know that I, the Sam Neill loved that cane situation. <laughs> you know? Well, that concludes yeah. actually the pilot. Well, not the pilot. The episode one of season two. 
of Peaky Blinders, and it's good to be back. I'm like, I feel like I'm I'm weaning myself off of Peaky Blinders, and we have season two, three, and four to finish mm-hmm. that off, and then then we're done. We still got a ways to go. Think about it. We're only halfway through all of the Peaky Blinders, technically. Technically. We've done three out of six seasons. Technically, technically, but that means that we have about two months to go. Yeah. Two months to go. We'll get through it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Um, When I was writing the notes for the last thing, I, I almost wrote that uh, that uh, Mr. Inspector Campbell uh, saved Tommy, but I made it intentional to not wrote that he saved Tommy. He just prevented him from dying. <laughs> <laughs> um. As far as Winston Churchill's uh, paintings go, I, I, Winston Churchill did pick up painting, but I don't think he ever painted any nude women. There's nothing that I see out of his entire published works. Of uh, did you of did you paintings. type on Google? Did Churchill paint naked women? No, I typed in all of Winston Churchill's published. You gotta cut paintings. to the chase, Zach. You gotta cut to the I chase. I looked that up too. There's somebody named Alfred Cooper Winston Churchill that has some and Royal Academy artist pastel portrait of nude something that exists, but I don't know who Alfred Cooper Winston Churchill is. Let's find let's find the naked uh, truth here, so to speak. Pun intended. Unintended. What was unintended? The pun. The pun. Come on. Pun intended. The Naked Truth. Are you all right? (laughs) Many accounts of 1941 visit to the White House claim Churchill spent most of his personal time naked and drinking Armagnac. Him, yes. He was naked and painting and doing stuff, but (laughs) I don't think he was painting naked women. Interesting. Well, for another episode, we will find whether that was true or not, but perhaps it's just a moment of taking a page from HBO where they just insert nudity in pilot episodes or premiere episodes of a show so that you can have more viewers tune in or uh, attract people or just put like just basic stuff like nudity in there because you don't see yeah. much of this kind of stuff in Peaky Blinders kind of deviates no, you really deviates don't. and distracts right yeah. um, what are the superlatives here what's the takeaways from this premiere of season two it's very much a lot of like what we deal with in season one. Yeah, it, it it's it's more action packed though. It is more action packed. There's a lot more happening in, in the first episode here than than I believe happened in season one, episode one. Although, what you said, it, it this 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 episode in the season overall kind of feels like a repeat of season one on a more grand scale, right? Like. Billy Kimber's gone. We just got a bigger, badder Billy Kimber. Yeah, but it doesn't feel Campbell is it back. doesn't feel cheesy because there's a continuation of the Campbell story, uh-huh. and we know that Tommy's ambitions were not to end at Kimber. It doesn't feel like Walking Dead, where you go from the governor to Negan and all this baloney. No. It feels no. It's not quite as bad as no. That. It doesn't. It's not it, bad at all. Much, it's not bad better. at all. It's not bad at all. It's it's not like a villain then worse villain then oh this one's even a worse villain it's not that at all i think the only time that this show feels like that i can't say it because we're in season two but um you know we'll talk about that later (laughs) there's only one time that we get into that territory out of all of this 
this whole episode what what do you think the uh the best scene was it's not an it's easy the road one, trip this, it's the road trip entire... to london that's the clearly the best scene in the yeah. the whole trip to london and the sabini's bar and whooping down I like the people. sabini's bar i like the sabini's bar and then i like the introduction of sabini outside of that a lot of this episode was really kind of you know jumping around there was a lot i mean there's a lot of setup here it's it's the first first episode so mm-hmm. most memorable character though this one i thought i thought was it was easy for me at least it's always tommy <laughs> it's just always tommy man so for me, it's it's Sabini. I, just, I can't you get know, over the accent. I I take it back. It's actually and I always remember. It's Sabini. actually Campbell, the new improved really? Campbell with the limp and the cane, and battery right. sold separately. Yeah. It's it's a it's like a whole new toy. You know, it's it's a new phase of Campbell. <laughs> Campbell in this season is way better than Campbell in the last season. Um, although he, like you yeah. said earlier, he has really fully embraced his dark side here. Yeah, last season he was... With, I'm going to stick to my guns with Sabini. Though. Last season he was towing the line between good and evil, but this season he's like, my love spurned me. I must descend into the bowels of darkness. That's kind of what's going on here. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much my my takeaways from it, is you got new and improved Campbell, and you got Tommy re-upping on on who he was in season one. Yeah. I'm excited to finish rewatching the rest of the season. Yeah. But yeah, well, I think that'll about do it for the, the first episode here. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's nice to get back to like the roots of Peaky Blinders as you see how, how yeah. it progresses later on in the show. It's always nice to come back and you always pick up on these new little details like the paying Lizzie eight pounds in season one and then now kind of redeeming her and saying, look, I don't want you to do that that lifestyle anymore like i want to legitimize you mm-hmm. you know and give you a, you know a purpose here in the company rather than just being you know um somebody that i use but um you know it's just you're seeing the complexity build you're seeing them like from rags to riches in a sense and it's always fun in that in that journey so i'm looking yeah. forward to the rest of season two all right any other superlatives that we cool. missed no, those are the big two that we have right now. The only other one I throw in every now and then is, you know, were there any moments that stood out in here? You know, I think one of the things that stands out, but that goes away quickly, is the fact that Freddy's gone. It's like, it felt like they spent a lot yeah. of time in season one building up that the communist storyline or the socialist storyline, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like it's gone so sudden. When that had, it seems mm-hmm. like it could have played such a huge role in season two. You know, especially with the return of Campbell and Churchill and and the IRA yeah. and all these different factions. They're all political in nature, in nature right? And Tommy yeah. seems to be the only one more... Like, it's the Sabini and Tommy side that's more, you know, materially focused, capital, you know, looking at just pure money at that point, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, that's interesting you bring that up, though, because I wonder what... what uh freddie's and ada's relationship was like because she did not seem or seem to be very uh upset about his passing well it's two years later right so they've been married for two years yeah it was never good at the start Mm -hmm. it was an unintentional pregnancy 
so based on her reaction, I think we can think that things weren't so great to begin with. It's not that she doesn't miss him, but it's, you know, what's the difference? If he was like barely married to you before, what's it like when he's dead? You know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I kind of find it interesting that if he was that bad of a a person, Tommy wouldn't have kind of stepped in and do have have done something to him. I don't think he, because he was very protective of, I don't, I don't think he was, I don't think Freddie was a bad person. I think it was a, it was like anything. He just had an ideology. He seemed to not betray his ideology. Tommy went one way after the war, which mm-hmm. was to double down and build a pretty much a criminal empire. And mm-hmm. Freddie went a different way. How did, he wanted to change the world. He felt communism was the best way to do that. In a way, it's honorable. In another way, it's foolish. If you, if you, you know, if you know what you know about communism and and socialism mm-hmm. in a sense, but. Um, he's it's he was an interesting character, and more than you, I felt like he could have had a a deeper role to play. Yeah. Well, that's all I have on my list of questions. Yeah, agreed. Thank you for tuning in to episode one of season two of the Peaky Blinders Pod. Um. We thank you for joining us on this journey. And if you're watching chronologically, we will be cranking these out to a week for the next uh, two months until we're done with seasons two, three, and four. And while you're just having withdrawals of hearing my voice and Zach's voice, you can go on over to the Story Archive Show. Go to that search bar, type in the Story Archive Show, subscribe to it, and you'll see that we'll be having some good times, discussions, over some great films, great TV shows, and uh, on a more one-off basis with some rotating third wheels, right? Third wheels yeah, is a terrible way to can. describe a, a guest. It is a bad way <laughs> to put. My it. bad. It's late. It's late. But <laughs> we would like to have a we would like to have a guest on on this as often as yeah, possible. Yeah, we. But Mario is trying it's to a say here, but failing we'll, to communicate. We'll be talking <laughs> and, and just pretty much discussing films that pique our interest and. Uh, perhaps, you know, really my, I think my goal for the story archive show would be to have something that when we look back on it 30 years from now, that we literally have a Mm -hmm. library of like, just if you watched all the films that we discussed, you would have a good sense of cinema and, and the history of cinema and whatnot, you know? And I think at first we'll start with more modern films, but I would love to get back into the you know, into the French New Wave and go into like how did modern I'm totally open yeah to how that. did modern cinema like kind of evolve over the years and go from the traditional mm-hmm. you know studio film to you know the new wave and yeah. what we have today where directors now have their their imprint on films like where their vision really you watch a Tarantino film and it's like you know it's a Tarantino flick you know you watch a Fincher mm-hmm. uh, film and you just know it's Fincher you know. Um, different directors have different styles and it's like they just imprint that on their on their genre Scorsese and just all the greats that we have come to love that wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. a normal style of making films like back in the day that was something that that Mm -hmm. was a an evolution that occurred and and that's something that I know I feel like I've barely scratched the surface on myself so it would be interesting to just kind of go on that journey with other people and and discuss things that films that we like that have played a you know a role in shaping me and in um 
films that may have shaped you as well, Zach, and in, in, in what you, in what you watched in your childhood or your teenage years, you know, mm-hmm. that had an impact that made you love storytelling, that made you love, and that's kind of what we want to communicate with the audience. Like, what films made you like feel something that changed your outlook mm-hmm. on something that made you like forget where you were and what your circumstances were for an hour and a half, you know? And there's movies, yeah. there's nothing like movies and storytelling and moving pictures that do that. There's no other art medium that can transport you like that. That's why we love TV shows. That's why, like, there was kind of a my own sort of uh, awakening to, like, TV shows as I was, like, a teenager where I was like, wait, wait a minute. What I love in films can be elaborated even in deeper in a deeper sense in a TV show where you can expand on a character for instead of an hour and a half, you can do it for nine hours, you know? And that's mm-hmm. where you have these iconic characters like Walter White and Don Draper and uh, just countless others, Tony Soprano, and I can go on and on and on, but uh, where you have these four or five seasons, six seasons to learn about a person and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, go over the Story Archive show. That is the gist of it. That's the heart of it, really, the core. And we want that to be the kind of the hub of where you can catch all things new from us because we'll continue doing new series, new recaps, all sorts of things for other shows. Um, we have one for Lupin. If you're interested in that, it's on Netflix. You can catch both uh, seasons or both parts of season one um, on there. And uh, we already have a full, we're up to date on that. So as you stay tuned with us, yeah. you'll see that we're, we're going to be rolling out new new series as the year progresses. So thanks for tuning in again. That was a long-winded one, but I just really want people to tune into that. Because if you're enjoying this, you will enjoy the Story Archive show. Guarantee it. Or Zach will give you all your money back, I promise. <laughs> yes, all the zero, the zero dollars that you yeah, spent. Exactly. Well, anyways, anyways, thank you for listening to... Season 2, Episode 1 of the Peaky Blinders Podcast by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. Uh, you can also find the Story Archives show, as Mario was mentioning, everywhere that you po- you find podcasts. You just type in the Story Archives show and we'll pop up there. Uh, and you can also take a look at... Um, our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which also ties us back into the podcast network, The Midnight Exchange. There is a website there with a whole bunch of links to other podcasts and other social media accounts. So feel free to give it a look. Excellent. Until then. Thanks for tuning in. Stay peaky. I feel like I should like Tommy. Stay peaky. Stay peaky. Stay peaky. Stay peaky. All right. Take care, y'all. <laughs>